All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Dropping the Gloves. Thank you for joining us here. The summer schedule twice a week, Tim. It feels weird. We go for three week. I see you all the time. Now I never see you. I hardly know what's going on in your life. What are you doing? How you been? I'm good, man. So much has changed since the last time we talked. So many things have gone on. It's we don't have enough time to get into it all unless you want to spend the whole hour just talking about our personal lives. I'll tell you what. I went golfing yesterday. And I do want to touch on that. It's very rare, Tim, in my life with seven kids. I think I have three full-time jobs, if you count the podcast, maybe two. But I have a lot of, lot of you know, plates spinning. It's very rare that I get a chance to just say, you know what? I'm going to unplug. I'm going to put the phone away. And I'm going to go and enjoy a round of golf. And that's what I did yesterday. Michigan Tech University had an alumni golf tournament here in Traverse City. I went to Michigan Tech. Did you know that, Tim? Never came up. No. Four years. Um, my first year, I got a 50% scholarship. My second year was a full. My third year was a full. Fourth year, got it knocked down a little bit. Got into a little bit of off-ice issues, but we got it knocked down. But I went there four years. And you were an English major? Mechanical engineering. Oh, okay. Did you know nice. that? Very cool. I don't even have a TV at home. It's a lifestyle choice. Did you know that? That I did know. That I did know. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. You should get rid of that dummy box, as I call them. <laughs> dummy boxes on the wall. Look at you dummies watching that box. Anyways, I went golfing. It was nice. I got to golf with Randy McKay, two-time Stanley Cup champion winner. And we swapped stories the whole 18 holes. It was a, it was a great day. Beautiful, beautiful time. Not a care in the world. Usually when I golf, I have to like, I got to get out of here. My wife's like uh, drowning with kids. I got to go and help her out. That wasn't the case. Kids had softball. She had her parents help. I was just able to casually come in, have a couple beers, have a couple appetizers, enjoy the after round aroma. It was it was really nice. It was good. The one of the best things about this, we our team was garbage. It was a guy named Skinny. He's a professor at Michigan Tech. Another professor. Um, at Michigan Tech of Biology, Rob Larson, smart guy, supposedly a good golfer, couldn't make a shot. And then Randy McKay, and then myself. I golf very sparingly. This was my second round. The first nine, we were junk. 
you know, compared to the other teams. We were two under. It was a scramble. So to spice things up on the back nine, Randy McKay goes, well, let's throw some skin in the game. And we'll keep track of who uses how many shots we use of each person. Makes sense, right? You only use one ball. It's a scramble. So you hit everybody hits a drive. You pick the best ball and then you all hit from that spot and you go from there. So it's an easy concept. Well, in the first nine holes, I think we used one of my shots. Because I don't golf much. I was easing into it. But I told my card partner, Rob, I said, I'm a back nine player. I'm telling you right now, I'm a back nine player. Well, we we set the bet up, and I wanted some strokes because we'd only use one of my shots. I said, you give me three, and then we'll be fine. Randy was complaining. No, I'm not doing that. I'm not giving you three. I said, Randy, give me three. Give me three. So reluctantly, he gave me three. We put some money on the line. Tim, I went out, and I just smoked it, the back nine. I'm talking we used every one of my drives. We probably used a couple of my approach shots, a couple of my chips, I won going away. I think I finished up with 12 points. Skinny got about nine. I think Rob had about six. And the guy's idea who it was, Randy McKay, won. One point. And the only point he got, because everybody else fluffed their drives, and he just snuck one out there like 170 yards or something, some garbage drive like that. It was so funny. We were just needling him the whole time, and he was just imploding it was the team morale was awful like we we there was no chemistry there's no leadership but i enjoyed it because i won some do re me at the end of the day was randy sipping a few sodas is that why you got worse as the day went on no you know um no they they golfed 18 holes before the game and so we teed off at one they went out in the morning and played 18 because they're coming down from houghton and they <laughs> they were so tired by the time I think we hit the turn that they were just gassed and I was just getting started. You know what I mean? I, I am like a Bob Probert type fighter where I just get stronger the longer the fight goes on. And so once we hit nine, 10, 11, they were sucking wind. And I, well, I was, I was having some beers too. My new favorite beer is the shorts local light. That's a good delicious. one. Delicious. Delicious. Yeah. If, yeah. if, if we ever wanted to entertain getting a sponsor on this show, which it's crazy. We shouldn't. That would be the one because I, I enjoy that beer. I, I have I alternate that with the bat blue light. Those are my two beers. I'm such a like a a woman when it, people are going to yell at me like a girly man when it comes to my beers. I don't like the hoppy beers anymore. Is a girly man. I can't say that either. I just wouldn't say anything. You should just not talk the rest of the podcast. Were you Fair the uh, were you the VIP of the thing? Would everyone want to talk to you? Um, Yeah. Yeah. Well, Randy, too, because Randy's a big guy like he he's I didn't realize he'd won two cups. And so I was like, Stanley Cup champion. He turns around. He goes two. <laughs> I was like, it's pretty cool. You guys won two cups. And he was talking about back in the day how there was no salary cap. And his team, when they won the cup, they had Brodeur. They had Niedermeyer. They had Stevens. They had Bobby Holik. They had all these guys making eight million dollars 25 years ago. And I'm like, Jumping Jehoshaphat, that's a lot of money. With inflation nowadays, that's like four or five guys making 12, 13, 14 million dollars. And there's no cap. And Macker's telling me, yeah, I played on the fourth line, I was making two million dollars. I'm like, that's incredible. Incredible. He played for 14 seasons. In the 90s. Terrible, yeah, that's a lot terrible of money. at golf. Terrible at golf. Oh gosh. It got me thinking if I actually put my mind to golf, I could be a professional golfer. I was I was blasting it, Tim. 
Oh, that's incredible. It was, it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Anyways, moving on. Yeah. What did we miss this week in the NHL realm? Let's get into that. Unless you have something to talk about. Have you, when's the last time you went on a date, Tim? The people <laughs> want to know. No one wants to know that. Uh, a few weeks ago. How'd it go? Fine. Obviously not good if it was a few weeks ago. Yeah, it's fine. It's all Ooh. good. Ooh, we're we're touching something here. He's getting a little uncomfortable. <laughs> he doesn't Is like warm it. in here or what? <laughs> we always talk about Tim opening up on the podcast because Tim's big in you know personal stories. You got to engage, and he never opens up. He never does it. Yeah, I well, okay, nah, never mind. Let's move on. See, this was your opportunity. <laughs> no, you just don't want to do it. I was going to tell a funny story, but you didn't like the last one, so I'm not going to do it again. Stories are never funny. That's true. Some of them are. The Who ones you don't think listen? are funny are funny. Like when <laughs> you get hit you by a car. Yeah. yeah. Go get hit by a car again. That that was like the <laughs> the listeners liked that. It was the good listeners feedback. loved the Lucic interview, by the way. Yeah, we Probably. did get a lot of good feedback on that. Yeah, among between him and Reeves in the last past ten days, it's like the most engagement that we've gotten from listeners in a long time. They love those two guys. Do you think the NHL is missing out? And mind you, I think there's just the the sign of the times where players' personality maybe aren't that great. They're focused on hockey, but it seems like every team, the guys with the biggest personalities, the most outgoing personalities, the more likable guys are the tough guys. Do you think the NHL is going to miss that? Because all the superstars, painful, painful to talk to, painful to listen to. And it's nothing, nothing due to them. It's just they're not enjoying even guys on this show. Like we get superstars, all stars, awful interviews. I can't stand it. But then you get guys who are actually like normal. Down to earth guys are usually the tough guys. The Revos, the Looch. Even a Seth Jarvis, I don't think he knows better yet. That's what I was Once thinking. he gets to that level, yeah. he's you know, like, I'm not, he's going to change. But then you get a guy from Winnipeg, Josh Morrissey. Nice guy. I would rather be trapped in a room with a rabid raccoon. <laughs> well, it'd Jarvis, be more interesting. But there have been other guys who were younger or as young as Jarvis who were also kind of reserved, not boring, but like, you know, just careful what they said, a little bit more measured, like a Dylan Cousins or a Spencer Knight. But Jarvis. Let's start burning bridges here. Let's do it. Let's just start burning bridges. They were both all great interviews, but Jarvis was just totally like just uninhibited. Just let let it fly. I'll say whatever I want. Who's been our worst interview? JVR. Yeah, but you didn't remember that one. That's why. Like, he was so incredible. There's, yeah. One of our better ones, David Backus, tough guy. Really enjoyed that one. Anyway, so yeah, the Luch interview was good. I'm excited for him to go to Boston. You know, people are all over him. They gave him a hard time. I think because he had such a great start to his career, his first 10 years were incredible. I would say first eight years. People just expect that from him. But that's not who he is anymore. So I think the expectations are too high for him. He's a fourth line guy. Now, that that's who he is. So going into Boston, he's not going to get you 25 or 30. That's not who he is anymore. Let him get you 5 to 10. He's going to play 7 to 10 minutes a night, and he's going to do his job very, very well. But because he had that history, because he has put up those points, because he has been that guy, people still think of him as that Milan Lucic. So it's it's a tough place to be. But I'm excited he's going back to Boston. And I always love throwing a little shade to Arizona. 
It's like he, he would not have signed there for three years, $3 million. That's so, so funny. I love that. I was waiting for you to tell him that you were faster than him too. We should make that a recurring bit where you tell every guest that you're faster than them to see the reaction. People, they really do. What's a disregard or they don't think I'm as fast as I am. When I was playing, we would get bag skate. We would have races. You do the chase the Fox or whatever it is, or a guy would get his own head start and you would go until you caught the guy or you'd have to skate around the ice once. And if the guy doesn't get caught, then the whole team skates. But if he does get caught, that guy has to go around another lap. They would never catch me too. I was so fast. Under undervalued my my speed. I'm looking at buying new skates this summer. Uh, I got to go to Raleigh to get the closest pure hockey. But when I do, give me a couple months to get back on the ice because I haven't skated since I broke the leg. But I'll come back to Traverse City and you and I will race and we'll tape it and we'll make a thing out of it. This I was going to be mean. I was going to be mean. I'm not going to. Okay, that would be great, Tim. That would be fun. How many injuries have you got on the ice in the last five years? All of them. Oh, all of my hockey injuries have happened, including in since college. You're Never falling apart. You're falling apart. And you, you, no one's touched you in these injuries. You're just self-inflicted. No, the college ones were from checks and stuff like that. But um, yeah, the others, no contact. Yeah, Get my stick a, lifted and my shoulder pops out. <laughs> the most embarrassing kind of injury. So I'm not even going on the ice with you. I would, uh, I would hurt you. All right. Speaking of someone who's hurt. Alex Galchenyuk. Is there an opposite of friend of the show? Because he would be the opposite of friend of the, of the show. show. A guy I just like constantly just chirp nonstop. Rightfully so. He's in a little bit of hot water, Tim. Going back to Arizona, signs another contract somehow. No one knows no one knows why, but he did. He had a good year in the AHL, so they give him an NHL deal. Obviously, that makes sense. Third time around, third time's a charm. What what did Alex get himself into, Tim? What's what does the police report say for Alex Galchenyuk, unfortunately? So the first thing out of nowhere, the Coyotes put out like a little press release that said, We have terminated his contract, and that's all we're saying at this time. Everyone's like, Oh my God, he just signed literally eleven days ago, twelve days ago. And then a few minutes later, this report comes out from Katie Strang of the Athletic, quote. Scottsdale Police Department has confirmed to The Athletic that Alex Galchenyuk was arrested on July 9th on a number of charges, including private property hit and run, disorderly conduct, failure to obey, resisting arrest, threatening or intimidating. On the hit and run incident, police said that, quote, it was only property damage and no injuries. Jail officials said he was booked into city jail on Sunday evening, released the following day on his own recognizance, meaning to pay his own bail. According to court records, Galchenyuk was arraigned on Monday, and he's got a court date set in August to deal with this. So not a great not a great weekend for him. And the Coyotes just let him go. Just yeah, you don't want that. Pro- you don't want that problem around. I agree. They should have let him go. Like, figure. I don't know. Like you're on the bubble. Don't do that stuff. So here's what happened. I don't know. I'm just speculating. He got a little gunned up, went out, got behind the wheel. Terrible idea. Hit someone's mailbox or something. Hit someone's parked car. Hit someone's property. Not like a terrible thing. Kept driving. Said, I'm going to go home. Someone witnessed it. Called the cops. The cops followed him. And the the not, the resisting is the one that is a, is a little interesting. The failure to obey. Resisting arrest. Threatening or intimidating. Did he like tell the cop he was going to kill him? Like that's, that's, a, or maybe someone who was videotaping said, Put the camera down or I'm going to kill you. 
He, okay, let's not throw the word kill around. We don't know what he said. Threatening murder? Yeah. <laughs> Decapitate? Yeah. yeah. It's um, not good. What is going on with these Russians? Nashuskin? Galchenyuk? It's a different world over there. But here's the interesting thing. This was reported by Wyshynski. He said the NHLPA is looking into the contract termination because there's really not a precedent for this. There's really not this exact thing has happened where the where the team terminates the contract. Guys have gotten in trouble before, even Patrick Kane a decade ago, but but it doesn't end like this. And so there's kind of like, well, how does the the players association want to deal with it? Do they want to stand up for Galchenyuk? What do you how do you see that playing out? Well, they'll stand up for him and they'll go through his contract. I I don't think he's going to win this fight. I think there's some personal clauses in there where you have to, you know, be a good citizen in the community and you can't go out and get arrested and you can't do certain things or else your contract gets void. There's a lot of things in those contracts that you can get your money voided easily. I remember I played in Minnesota one of my first few years. James Shepard, our first rounder, went out and busted his knee in an ATV accident. They voided his contract. He didn't get money that year. So, yeah, the the contracts work against a player in that regard. There's a lot of things. I remember when I was with Chicago during the All-Star break, we went to uh, Colorado or something, and um, we rented snowmobiles. Me, Seabrook, Turco, Jake Dowell, and we were zipping around in the snowmobiles, and we were just like, if we get hurt, we're losing our contract. Like the, it, it's very black and white and it, it's, there's no wiggle room there. You have to toe the line. You can't do certain things. And if you go outside that line, they'll void your contract. And Galchenyuk is a guy in the bubble. If this happens to, if there's no one good in Arizona, if this happens to, well, Clayton Keller, yeah, his contract's not getting voided. You know, they're making it work. He's going to maybe have to go into some rehab thing. They're going to make it work, but it's Galchenyuk. He's a fringe player. We don't want to deal with it. You know? And, and things like that, like skiing is totally different. You get hurt skiing versus you do something like Galchenyuk. Da, da, that's a different thing. But do, do guys get nervous or do they like try to hide it from the team that they went skiing or they went ATVing or something like that? Snowmobiling? Yeah. Oh, to, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes they post it. You posted it on link, on Instagram. Like, yeah. I, I but it was after the season, I think I posted it or yeah, you, you don't want to advertise you're going out there and riding snowmobiles and skiing. Yeah. Cause we did ski too. If like if we would have gotten hurt, it would have been a big deal. Like I would have been kicked off the team. Jake Dow would have been kicked off the team. Seebs would have been fine, and Turks would have been fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but no, I I've heard stories of guys getting hurt away from the ice. Like James Shepard tried to do it. Who was it that told the story with with the Brian Boyle that got hurt playing basketball and Torts was furious with him? Yeah, and he like he had to hold it in until the next day and pretend he got hurt during practice instead of the the, the night before. Yeah, because you you your contract can be voided so easily. Yeah. And if you're a third, fourth line guy who's expendable, you know, they'll gas you. Then you lose your rehab stuff. You, they just kick you off the team. It's very callous the way they go about things. They'll they'll just ship you off. They won't pay for your surgery or anything. Like you're gone. Luckily, James, they just they didn't void his contract. They just didn't pay him for that year. And so he was still able to get, you know, surgery through the team, rehab through the team. He was still around the facilities. But it just ruins the relationship with the player and the team. It's like, you're not going to pay me because I get an ATV accident. Like, uh, I'm your first rounder. What a bad, nice guy. The Wild had a a run of just bad first round picks. You could go through like six or seven years for the Wild and just be like, what are you doing with these first round picks? There was some defenseman from Michigan State, Thielen. There was Sean Bell. Even Pooley. Love the guy. 
third overall, you know, it leaves a little bit to be desired. Anyways, I'm just, I'm losing friends by the second. <laughs> you are. So yeah. we should move forward. There was some signings, some good news. Some people lose their contracts. Some people get their contracts. Friend of the show, Brendan Lemieux signs a one-year $800,000 deal with the Carolina Hurricanes. Does it matter? Is it a good signing for Brendan? Of course. He didn't really have a great season last year going to Carolina, potentially a cup contender. Do you like this move to him? They get a little sandpaper for the roster. Yeah, I think he, I think he offers a good amount for that money. It's basically league minimum. A lot of jokes are being made about him and D'Angelo on the same team and just how Carolina's signing the most unpopular guys in the league. But I like them. I like Brendan. He was nice. So Did the D'Angelo trade go through? Because I heard there was rumblings that they weren't going to get him. He's still going to be with Philly. Did that eventually go through? I assume so. I don't have it in front of me, but I thought, yeah, I thought he's in Carolina now. No, I I heard it was on hold because they've been kicking the tires of Eric Carlson for some reason, and they were going to wait on that. And I, I, I haven't seen the update on that. But anyways, moving on. Alex Newhook signs a deal with the Montreal Canadian four years. Big deal, $2.9 million per. It's a big deal for Montreal, Tim. They're getting another mid-grade forward. Is this... Is this the, the contract that's going to put him over the top? Another good second or third line forward to add to their stable of just pretty good forwards there in Montreal. Well, this could be one that ages pretty well. He's still only 22 years old, which I didn't realize. It feels like he's been around longer than that. So 22 years old, a lot of room to grow. But here's the thing. He's a center and he's 5'10". He'll fit right in with that group. So It's, it's, a, it's concerning the lack of size they have up front down the middle. I just I just don't understand. He was acquired from Colorado. They gave up a first rounder for him. They gave up a second rounder for him. So you better make sure they're going to sign him. But I don't know, Tim. I really don't know if he's worth the squeeze being that size. He hasn't really done much at the NHL level. He's played almost 200 games. He only has 66 points. It's very concerning to me what Montreal is doing with their roster. They're obviously not listening to the podcast. They're going small. They're going shifty. They're going speed, speed, speed. I don't think it's going to work. I think everybody who listens to this podcast knows how I feel about size down the middle. And they have the the opposite of size down the middle. Their biggest sentiment right now, I think, is Jake Evans. Six foot, 190 pounds. Yeah. It's very depressing, the lack of size that they have on their team. I don't we'll see how we'll see what plays out, but I, I don't see them winning very many games this year. Out of all the Canadian teams, I feel like Montreal is just they're not doing anything. They're really not. Winnipeg made a good trade with Pierre Duc Dubois. Toronto's making some good moves. Ottawa, we're gonna touch on in a second. Gosh, Ottawa's a train wreck too. What am I saying? Moving on. Let's just, let's just go right to Ottawa. The big news, the elephant in the room. Alex DeBrinkett has finally been traded from the Ottawa Senators. It happened a few days ago, so we're late to the party, but I just don't want to do three episodes a week. He goes to Detroit. They get up, they give up what, Tim? Kublik, who was on waivers last year from Chicago, some guy who plays in the East Coast, a conditional first rounder that's going to be a late first rounder and a third rounder. So basically, it's a first rounder and Kublik for Alex DeBrinkett. Who, not one year prior, got traded from Chicago to Ottawa for the seventh overall pick, Kevin Korchinski. You ever heard of this kid, Tim? He's pretty good. Seattle Thunderbirds. Yeah. Stud defenseman in 54 games. He put up 73 points. 
ideal size for a hockey player, six foot, 185. He's going to grow into his body, probably end up around 210. Ottawa gave him up to get Alex Dabrinka. And now they're letting him go. So essentially, it's the seventh overall pick that they gave up. And they're going to get 20 plus overall pick when it comes down to it. It's just, it, it's a bad look for the Ottawa Senators. Well, between the two picks, they missed the playoffs and paid to bring it like $7 million. So $6 million. So it, yeah, if, going for, him. for a team that's supposedly in a rebuild, but apparently they, they didn't, they shifted it from rebuild to competing two years ago, have not even come close to the playoffs. Nobody wants to sign there. Debrinket wanted out as soon as he stepped foot at uh, what's it called? The Canadian Tire Center in Canada, that dump, that absolute dump of an arena. They should have never put it in Canada, but it's a bad look for Ottawa all the way around. The GM botched at Dorian. It was it was a terrible, terrible trade. You should have waited. Keep this guy all season. Trade him at the deadline when his value is higher. Detroit, Stevie Eiserman, I was dogging him last week. He did a great job here. The rumors were swirling. He was kicking the tires under Brinkett. He pulls the trigger, doesn't give up much. And then he signs him to a very fair deal. I'll say that, fair. I think Debrinket is a good 25-30 goal scorer. And if you can get that out of him for four years, it's a great contract for Detroit. I think Stevie Eiserman did very well with this deal. What do you think, Tim? Yeah, I mean, the the hang-up, why it didn't go through sooner, was that it, Debrinket reportedly wanted seven or eight years, and, and Eisenman wasn't comfortable with that. And Eisenman, Love that. Eisenman, he won the the staring contest. Debrinket blinked. He signs for four, four, four years, and it's a good term. It's a good, it's good AAV. I think it's a fair deal. Yeah, and I don't know why Stevie wouldn't want seven years. That's strange, because Debrinket's only 25 years old. You know, he he's still going to be really good at 29 when his contract runs out. So I think at the end of the day, this could work out well for Alex to at the salary cap's going to jump next year substantially. There's going to be more money in the system. Don't look now. He could be making eight and a half, nine million dollars if this if this you know four year contract goes the way it should. He's going to be getting first line minutes. He's going to be playing with good players, Larkin and Cop and Comfer and Perron and Fabry. They got some get some skill there. I don't know. It's it's a good deal for Detroit. Not fantastic. It's not like one that's going to put them over the top, but I, I like it. Their backhand needs some work still. Very, very atrocious backhand. Other than Mo Sider, I, I don't I don't like their backhand. I, I like Jake Wallman, but some work to do in Detroit. All right. What else, Tim? What are we talking about? Yeah, there was a report on Willie Nylander from Elliot Friedman said that he doesn't think that Nylander is going to take a discount because the other team, other guys on that team didn't take a discount. You didn't see one from Marnie. You didn't see one from Matthew. So he's like, I'm not doing that just to stay here. It's not worth it. Do you think, first of all, do you think that's a good sign from Nylander that a good move from him? And second of all, does the Debrinket deal impact what his number is ultimately going to be? I was shocked when you showed me the stats of these two guys. They're identical. I would have thought Willie Nylander had 50 more points at Debrinket. But I, I guess I forget that Debrinket was riding shotgun to Kane for those years, and he was just putting up points left and Who right. Who was Nylander playing with? You know, That's what I mean. What I, mean. I forgot Debrinket was riding shotgun to those guys. So they get to play with great players. So I, I was shocked when they were within 10 points of each other. Willie Nylander in the last 214 games, 209 points. Debrinket, 216 games played, 200 points. Identical. Identical type players. I think Willie Nylander, obviously, maybe a better disher. Debrinket maybe a better finisher, but they're still within nine goals scored of each other. So they're very similar type players. But um, 
I don't think the Debrinket deal impacts Willie that much. I think his value in Toronto is sky high. And it's due to the playoffs. He is the only one of the big four or five, if you include Morgan Riley, that does anything in the playoffs. Although Morgan Riley did have a good playoffs this this offseason. So he is the guy who produces when you need him to produce the most. The other three don't. So I think that ups his value. Where DeBrinket, I feel like there's still a little bit of question mark there. Is this all because of Patrick Kane, which I've touched on quite a bit? Or can he do it on his own? Can he be the guy? I think Nylander can. I think he's got that talent. I don't think his motivation and drive is there, but I do think at the end of the day, he will garner Mitch Marner-type numbers. I think he's going to want a contract in the $9, $10 million range. He's not going to settle for a seven, eight, seven, five, whatever whatever it got. So, yeah, there there will be a difference there. So Nylander wants 10, 10 and a half. Debrinket just signed for 7.8. They have basically the same numbers over the past three years. I think Nylander is probably a more complete player, but is he is he two and a half million dollars better? Probably not. No, no. But he has that aura about him just because, of, like I said, the playoffs. And I, I don't think Nylander is a better player overall. I think Debrinket is a better player than Willie Nylander. I'm taking Debrinket over Nylander every day of the week. I think Debrinket plays a harder game. He gets into the harder places a little bit more than Nylander, and he at least shows an iota of ounce of effort in the defensive zone. Where Nylander, sometimes he's engaged, but there's a large swath of time, Tim, where he's just checked out. He reminds me of Thomas Vanek a lot. I'd be watching Van in Buffalo, and he would just be out to lunch, completely out to lunch. But there's other times he's locked in, and he's like, terrific. To the point where it's like, man, you should be on the penalty kill. Like you're very good positionally. You can time passes. You can pick things off. Your instincts are through the roof. But then he just gets lost for periods at a time. And I think that that's Willie Nylander in a nutshell. He just it's there, but he it, he doesn't apply it at all <laughs> as much as he probably should. But yeah, it, it's going to happen to this Toronto Maple Leafs team. The breakup is coming, and it's coming this season. The new GM Brad Treveling. Treviling, Treviling, Tree Living, Tree Living has a huge decision to make. Absolutely massive decision to make. You have three high end unrestricted free agents coming up. Four, five. You got Matthews, you got Marner, you got Nylander. Sorry, not Marner. You got Matthews, Nylander, Bertuzzi, Brody, and Klingberg. What are you going to do with all these guys? What happens to your team if you're first place in your division and free agency comes around? Trade deadline's approaching. Are you just going to let these guys walk for nothing? You can't keep them all. What do you do? I, I do not envy his situation. I want to know what our listeners think. What would you do in this situation? You, you have to be buyers. Because you're trying to get a Stanley Cup in Toronto. You you will be put on the loony if you win a Stanley Cup in Toronto. Just say you lose in the first round again. And all of these guys walk. And you get nothing. And next year, when you look at your roster, you have Tavares and Marner and Riley. And that's it. And you have a bunch of money. Matthews doesn't want to come back. Nylander doesn't want to come back. Bertuzzi, Domi, Brody, Klingberg. None of these guys want to come back. What happens then? Then you look like the fool of the century. You look like the Finnish guy from Columbus who kept Panarin, kept Bobrovsky, said, we're going to go for it. Those guys walked for nothing. 
and it set your team back years. Because if he would have traded Panarin and Bobrovsky, he's getting at least four first rounders. So I, it's man, he he can't sleep at night. There's no way. Well, it comes down to two major decisions: the Nylander or Matthews. Which one do you want to, to hit your cart to? And then the other one, the one that you're going to let go, do you trade him in the offseason next year or do you trade him before the deadline? Right. Those are it's, two. Those are two very difficult decisions. It's a seismic decision. It's it's a franchise altering decision. It really, really is. And do you want to pay Austin Matthews 12, 13, 14 million? He's going to want to raise you guys. He makes 11.640250. Such a dumb number. Just pick a clean number. He's going to want to raise. So he's going to ask for 14 million. I know he's saying these things. No, I'm going to be a team guy. No, he's not. He's going to want 13, 14 million dollars. He's going to want to be the highest paid player in the NHL. Then what do you do? Do you, is it is this your guy? He's 26 next year. He's going to want a seven-year deal. Oh, man, I, I do not envy Brad. But it's... I, I couldn't do it. You want to hear a stat? That, that yeah. might make your head explode? Please. Among every forward in the league this past season, which forward led the league in shots? In block shots, sorry. In block, block shots. Block shots. Austin Matthews. 92, number one. It's a lot. Is that a good stat, though? Yeah, <laughs> yes. For if it was Brady Kachuk, he'd be like, "Oh yeah, Brady just mucking it up, getting dirty, taking the punches." Well, who are the next five? Do you have it pulled up? Yep, Elias Pettersson, Anze Kopitar, Garnet Hathaway, Zach Parisi. Look at the, actually looking at that list. I would say that stat doesn't mean anything. Garnet Hathaway and Zach Parisi. Well, because that's what I mean. Those guys should be in the defensive zone most of the time. Matthew should be on the offensive zone. He shouldn't be blocking shots. Like, I don't want my top guy leading the league in block shots. I want him leading the league in shots for. I think it's a negative on his report card. Kopitar makes sense because he's a Selkie guy. And then Austin and and Elias as number one and two don't really make sense because the the rest of a top 20 are all fourth liners. Achari, Dickinson, Benino, Vetrano, Sissons, Boone Jenner. Yeah, anyway. so if I'm going to say, oh, me and Pedersen, I don't want to be aligned with Pedersen. I know he's a good player. I get it. But there's a reason the rest of the guys are third and fourth line guys who take a lot of defensive zone faceoffs. Austin Matthews should be getting shots, not blocking them. But good for him. He, he led the league in that. Maybe he'll that'll be in his arbitration hearing. None <laughs> to block shots. That's a lot of block shots. All right. Anything else, Tim, on this Nylander debacle? No, but there's a lot of good free agents left who still have not signed. And I was looking up the Patrick Kane thing because I was wondering why he hadn't signed yet. And I didn't realize, or maybe I forgot, that he had hip surgery. Yeah. Hello, on, McFly. On June 1st. Expected recovery time, four to six months. So he is not expected to sign until after the season starts. And I wouldn't be surprised if he waits till like the holidays or even after to see how the, the chips are falling and where he has the best chance of making an impact and winning winning a cup. I agree. I think he'll be a post- Christmas? No, that's too late. Maybe a Halloween. He'll be a Halloween signing, and he's not dumb. His agent said it too in a in a interview he did. He's like Patrick is going to have options. He's going to see who is good. He's going to see who was bad, and he's going to make it his decision. Every team will want Patrick Kane come that time. Guys will be on the LCIR. There'll be roster movements. He will be valuable, and I think that's a smart move by him. Maybe he won't get as much money when it when he signs as a compared to now. But he's going to want to go to a winner, Tim. 
He's not going to sign just right now and say, okay, there's only this much money in the system. There's only four teams that can afford me. I'm going to pick one of those four teams and I'm going to go to that team. I'm going to go to Nashville because they have some money. No, he wants to win a cup. He's going to wait. Who's who's in the contending category and he's going to sign with one of those teams. Now we'll see if they have some money. There could be some cap circumvention at this point. The guy's hurt. Let's bring on Kane. Let's just wait until the playoffs start and we'll we'll activate you. So much like we saw with Mark Stone this year and Barbashev, it's um it's a smart move by Patrick Kane. Don't rush it. There's no need. Sit back, enjoy the rehab as best as you can, and then come back strong for the playoffs and win the Con Smythe and get a Stanley Cup champion and come on the show. Love it. What so else, Tim? The next one, Tarasenko still hasn't signed. Elliot Friedman said that he he had options on July 1st, didn't take any of them. So most likely he's going to sign a one-year deal, bet on himself, see what happens with the cap next season. The Senators are in on him. The Canes are in on him. The Sharks are in on him. The Panthers have been kicking around as well. So we could see him sign a one-year deal with one of those teams and hope for a bigger pay raise next summer. <laughs> I, do you really want to do a, a prove-it deal at 31 years old, coming off a pretty good year? 50 points in 69 games. Do you really want to go out and do a prove-it deal when you're turning 32? I don't know if this is the right move for him. Maybe the money wasn't there. Much like the the Bertuzzi case where GMs just didn't have any money to offer this guy a, a long-term deal. So I like Tarasenko. Um, I think he'll do well, but I don't know if this is the right strategy for him. I, I really, really don't. So... And even said, like, you said good year, 50 points in 60-whatever games is not, I mean, it's okay, but this is the contract year for him. I thought he was going to have a big, you know, be a 35-plus goal scorer again, and he didn't do it. So I wonder. I I think he's, he's, his body's got a lot of wear and tear on it. I think his sweet spot now is like 20, 22, 23 goals, 50, 60 points. That's, that's good for him. But again, it's much like the Milan Lutrich thing. People, or maybe he expects himself to be an MVP candidate every single year and putting up 60 or 70, 80, 90 points. You're not that guy anymore. Like you've, you've lost a couple steps. Just embrace being a second or third line scoring option. That's okay. You don't have to be a first line guy. You're not going to get the $7 million contract. You're 32. You're past your prime. Embrace it. Do what Corey Perry does. Embrace it. There's there's nothing wrong with with that. So we'll see. Hopefully he has a good year. I like Tarasenko. The last one here, Matt Dumba, the top defenseman on the market, still has not signed. Reportedly, San Jose is the top landing spot for him, but they need to trade Carlson first. And connected <sighs> to that, the Hurricanes want to trade for Carlson, but they have to, and they want to sign Aho, but they want to get the Carlson deal for, done first. So there's all these like a spider web of connections here. But what are your thoughts on the whole Carlson thing? The curse the team that tries to get him. I don't understand why a team would want him, especially a team like Carolina, who has such a tight-knit back end. They're great. And do you really want to put Burns and Carlson on the blue line together again? We saw how well it worked in San Jose. What? Why mess with you? You already got Dmitry Orlov. He was a huge offseason pickup. You got Jakob Slavin. You got Brady Shea. You got Brett Pesci. Apparently, Brett Pesci's not happy. His dad came out and said something. That's always good when the father jumps in the Twitterverse and says something. Terrible idea. And you got Brent Burns. And you got a Chatfield who's a hard-nosed guy. Love the way he plays. Why? Why? We scream it from the rooftops, Tim. We need scoring. We need a guy who can put the damn puck in the net. Hello? We got 100 points this year, John. Oh my gosh, but a goal score. Give me a goal score. They go out and they sign 
Michael Bunting. Michael Michael Bunting, Tim. I don't. I would. I would not sign I, Michael Bunting to my team ever. But he he's a good player. But he he's a great player. But what was the issue? We couldn't score a damn goal. I'm sorry to get. It's just so frustrating to me. I get you. You pride yourself on defense. I get it. Carlson's not, Carlson's going to make your defense worse. Let's just call it like it is. The guy got a hundred points. He was minus a million. He's terrible in the defensive zone. Terrible. You need scoring up front. There were goal scorers to be had. Go out and get a Debrinket. Sign Vladimir Tarasenko. Go out and get one of the goal scorers you can put alongside Kakinemi and Shvechnikov. I like your Teravine and Aho Jarvis first line. You put Shvechnikov, Kokiemi with Tarasenko, or those options are gone, but you could have, and you would have had a really formidable first two lines. Now you can't. Now you got Martin Nikas there. He's good. He's not a scary player. I'm not nervous. I'm not game planning versus Martin Nietzsche's. Not these stupid names. I'm not game planning versus those guys. They don't scare me. So if they do get Carlson, it's it'll that GM should lose his job. It's, it would be such a bad, bad, bad trade. He's connected to Pittsburgh as well, Carlson. So we can see that. Of course, because that's what they need. Him and Latang on the back end too. But yeah, let's move on to Matt Dumba because I, I am so confused as to why this guy is not signed. I, I don't understand it. He is exactly what I think any team would want, unless he's just asking for too much. He's a solid defenseman. He plays the body. We know who he is. He doesn't overextend himself on the offensive end. He plays a very smart, controlled game. And he can chip in offensively when he wants to. He only had 14 points last year, but he has had a 50-point season in his career. He's still 29. He's got some good tread on the tires. Wow. Usually these defensemen get gobbled up, Tim, so incredibly fast. I don't understand why he's on the market, but he he is the prime guy right now, even more so than Tarasenko and Patrick Kane. He is the number one free agent in my eyes. Why hasn't he gone anywhere? Don't you think the Leafs would have been better with him than Klingberg? I'm sure the money was a lot a big difference, but he's, he's more what they need. I'm guessing it's not because of lack of suitors that he hasn't signed yet. He just wants to pick or he's got like a, a wink-wink deal with with. San Jose, for example, but he wants to see that the trade happen first so they can afford him. Why would you go to, why would San Jose do this? I just, again, it's so incredibly mind blowing. If they sign him to like a $7 million deal or $6 million deal for seven years, you're just saddling yourself to another defenseman for a long-term contract. that's not going to end well. If I'm a GM, I'm, I'm offering Dumba three years, four years at 6 million. That's a good spot for him. He doesn't get many points. I don't want him. When he's 36, 37, I want him for his 29, 30, 31, 32 years. I should be GM. All right. What else, Tim? little trivia question for you here. Ooh. I was on Twitter over the weekend. There you spend been... too much time on Twitter. Is that a... You need to scale back. You got to get out in the world. I am out in the world. Okay. On your phone. Are you one of those guys who just walks around and looks down all the time? Yes. Yeah, I bump Glances into things up. constantly. Glances up. Oh, someone posted something. I'm walking into signs and tripping over fire hydrants. I yeah. hope you're not, because I really, really don't like that. I'm glad you're worried about me. Um, mm. Players in the past 25 years, only two times as a player in a single season, had 80 points, 300 shots, and 100 penalty minutes. There are two of them. Hint, they're both playing right now. They're both active players. Who are those guys? I would say Ovechkin. No. Oh, wow. It's the it's the Pims that are the tricky one. 
because a lot of guys get 80 points. Marshawn? Nope. I, Corey Perry was my guess, but it wasn't him either. Getzlaff? Nope. He's not, he's retired anyway. Yeah, but there's... Oh, so I'm only trying to guess the two active. There are only two guys who have done it in 25 years, and they both happen oh, to be active. Oh, right they're now. both active. Oh, my goodness. Western or East, Eastern Conference? Both Eastern. Both Eastern. Did they make the playoffs this year? One did, one didn't. That doesn't help me. Um, okay. Are they obviously centermen or wingers? Both wingers. Both wingers. Uh, obviously all-stars. Um, Stamkos, did he ever get 100 pims? No. What team? That'll be too obvious. I know. Um, Malkin? Oh, Malkin. Nope. Oh, man. It's the Pims that gets me. It's not the Kachuk brothers again, is it? It's both of them. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Stop. Unicorns. You are just humping these two guys. (laughs) Give them a break. Definitely not humping them. He wants me, you guys, to text Brady Kachuk again. Get him on the show. Oh, yeah. Terrible, terrible host trying to get cool guests. My bad. My bad. Let's get JVR back again. That'll be a good one. The He's ratings the Bruins now. We he is on the Bruins. We've already done a Bruins interview. We're done. They're going to be so bad next year. They <laughs> could, they could pull a Jonathan Huberto and have the biggest points drop from year to year in sports history. I wonder what that is for a team to go from President's Trophy setting an NHL record. What was the what was the points? I don't know. Montreal didn't. They went from the Stanley Cup to dead last. That is in their future, Boston potentially. Hmm. It no. could be. Uh, no, they got a they got a pretty good team still. But anyways, anything else, Tim? No, what are you doing this weekend? Um, having a birthday party. It was my two I should have mentioned this too. Um, two of my kids had birthdays the last two days, the twelfth and the thirteenth. So Eleanor turned three and Esther turned one. So we're having their party tomorrow. So that'll be exciting. Nice. They don't even care. The one year old who cares. The three year old's pretty excited. She's been talking about her birthday for the last like five months. <laughs> it's my birthday next, right, Dad? I'm like, yeah, but like the first one she's aware time. of. Yeah. Yeah. And so she we had a little thing at the house on Wednesday. And we're gonna do a party with grandparents and stuff on Saturday. So it'll be fun. What about you? Very nice. Um, nothing crazy. I have plans tonight with a buddy and I bought a stand-up desk. Which is just going to help. Gosh, you're such yeah. a loser. Oh my it's going to come up. It's, it's got a little motor on it. I press a button. It just climbs up to like whatever, four feet. And it's going to help. How much does that cost? How much does that cost? Um, Like $250, something like that. Man, it's a lot of dory me here. Is it though? Yeah. All right. Is that all, Tim? Uh, yes. Have a great weekend, John. Yeah, you too, Tim. And everybody else, have a good weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. 